morning, everyone, and we're so happy you're here. This whole week has been a week of crisis. Of course, we had the hurricane hit last week and all the devastation that happened with that, and we're continuing to keep all of our brothers and sisters down there in prayer. Brooks is actually down there this this weekend helping his family. They're, they all live down there, so that's why we didn't have a drummer this morning. And our alternate drummer we tried to get a hold of also has family in Houston, so he's down there helping them. So it's just the weekend to be helping Houston. So we helped out Houston this morning by having our drummer down there. So anyway, I thought that was funny. I'm glad my wife laughed. That's awesome. But what is the number one news story this whole week? The hurricane kind of came and went, and now the recovery and the, you know, fixing all the stuff. But the number one story this week would be, anyone help me out? The gas shortage. So it's crazy that everywhere you go, you see this sign. It's like, sorry, we're out of service. We don't have anything left. I went to take Lenore to work a couple of days ago, the day it first started hitting, and driving down the access road to 121, and right where you'd pull into the gas pumps at Costco, it was blocked off. They had all the carts out there, and I'm like, oh, that's unusual. An employee was out there waving everybody down, so I went down to the next exit, entrance to the, the main entrance to the club, and thought that that would be it, and there's more carts out there than someone else's, and it turns out there's six cars wide, most of the parking lot wrapping around from the road. You got to go all the way around the hotels, and it's just, it was a mess to try and get in, to take Lenore even to work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Costco was like, you can't even get in the store because of all of the, the difficulties that there are there. And it turns out it's fake news. It turns out it's not even true that we don't have a gas shortage. It's just that people made a run for it. People had this the story on the news and social media that said they were running out of gas and everybody panicked and went and just depleted everything. Someone asked me a question about it, and I said, well, imagine all the water that's in every store. If everyone thought they had to go get water and just ran the store, it would be done. Andrew told me about one Costco. I don't know which one it was. They had a door count of 900 in one hour, and they went through every bottle of water in a half hour that the entire store was gone. Well, that's just one little store, but if everyone makes a run for it all, you can find yourself, you can find yourself lacking. So as I was thinking about that, and certainly it's the thing that is on everyone's mind, that you got to keep your gas topped off. You know, it's like, okay, I'm at three quarters of a tank. i got to go take, top it off because, you know, I don't want to have any problems. And, you know, me, that's my job driving. You know, I can't be caught without gas. You know, that wouldn't be too good. Yeah, y'all probably want to call another Uber because I'm going to be stuck here right now. But, you know, it's on our mind about the rations, about it's not going to work out. And as I was thinking about it, the Lord really started speaking to me about the message this morning. So if you'll turn in your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 41, we're going to start with verse 28. But while you're getting there, I just want to kind of paint the picture for you. This is the story of Joseph. He's the fourth in the line. So there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph was the son of Jacob. So he's kind of fourth in the line. So he is the one that God gave this huge promise to, a dream of how he was going to be this great leader. And he didn't know how it was going to happen. He thought as a young, immature man that it's going to be this way. And he had this whole grandiose idea of what it was in the realization of his dream. And as he started trying to tell everybody about it, everybody started getting frustrated with him and hating him. And he went through some difficult times that that's not the point of this. We've talked about that before, and we'll undoubtedly talk about it again in the future, because Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He spent 14 years in struggles, and no one was there to encourage him. So he's a great encouragement to me, 
that even when I go through struggles and there's difficult things that I've gone through to stay like Joseph, that I can see the end. But here in verse in chapter 41, verse 28, we see that Joseph has been in the pit. He's been in the prison and he is now brought before Pharaoh because Pharaoh had a dream. And this dream was troubling him, and no one could answer it, and Pharaoh was freaking out over everything. So he comes, and he's telling Joseph the dream. It's kind of like the last-ditch effort, you know. He's called the prisoner out of the prison to come and talk to him. I mean, you've exhausted all your resources when you're calling for a prisoner. It's kind of like some of the crime shows that I see, and we watch, and, you know, it's fun to watch those things. And they're just desperate, and they finally go into the prison to talk to the, the really bad criminal because he can tell you what's really going on, you know. So that's kind of where we pick up here. And this is Joseph now replying back to Pharaoh. Verse 28, he said, This will happen as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land, but afterward there will be seven years of famine, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt, and famine will destroy the land. The famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. I started thinking about, you know, we had gas a few years ago almost at $5 a gallon, and it dropped down to, you know, less than $2 a gallon. Man, it's our good years. And man, when there's no gas, we're not thinking about that. We, most people wouldn't even care if it's five bucks a gallon at that point, because like, there's no gas. What are we going to do? That even the memory of the good years was erased. He goes on to describe what should happen to Pharaoh after he tells us in verse 33. He says, Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of the crops during the seven good years and have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouse, store it away, and guard it. So it's kind of like we're sitting here, we're at half a tank. Man, I need to get this thing back up there. we got to make it all happen. And gardens, like I'm really watching over this thing so that there will be food in the cities. Verse 53, it came to pass, just as Joseph said. It says, at the last of the seven years of the bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt, it came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had predicted. And it went on that... The destruction happened, and people or it's the whole region. It wasn't just Egypt, but it was all around there. And people were then coming to Egypt to get food because there was nothing available anywhere. I mean, it was just a desperate, desperate time. But it said to store it up, store up the riches. And, and as I was thinking about that, that parlays right into what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6. He said, don't store up your treasures on earth. Don't just put all your focus on your gas tank, on those things that are my natural thing that I think about every single day, those things that weigh me down and go, ah, what's going to go, how's this going to work, how's this going to happen, because the moths will eat them and the rust will destroy everything here, and thieves can even break in and steal everything that I have. But store up your treasures in heaven. Verse 21 says, for where your treasures are, There will be the desires of your heart also. Where your treasure is, there will be the desires of your heart. 
So as we look at this, it's God's like, don't just get so earthly minded. Think about putting, investing into heaven. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But I think he's really, we're making the transition from the natural and that we see with Joseph to Jesus saying, hey, this is all well and good, but this is all going to go away. Think about heaven. Think about eternity. And then he goes on in Matthew 24, and it's a really interesting read, and I suggest you read it sometime. It's not really good bedtime reading. It's really better for like the middle of the day because he's telling about the end times and what's going to happen. Two people are going to be walking in a field, and one's going to disappear. Two people are going to be laying in bed, and one's going to be gone. And, and he's talking about the end. It's going to get really, really dark. And then he goes into this parable, and he said, it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. So in Matthew 25, if you've got your Bibles, chapter 1. Then the kingdom of heaven, then, see then, that's a big word. He's referring to chapter 24, where he was just talking about the end is coming, it's imminent, this is what's going to happen. Remember how God told Joseph ahead of time, Pharaoh Joseph, ahead of time of what was going to go on. Jesus is now telling us what's going to go on. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Five were foolish and five were wise. So I don't know about you, but in my life, there's times that I've been foolish and there's been times I've wise. I think it's probably more weighing that I'm foolish more than I'm wise, unfortunately. And that's one of the things I'm working on. But I think we all can find ourselves in that spot of either being foolish or wise. It goes on to say, verse 3, The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. So it reminded me again of the soul struggle this week. The people that didn't think ahead and say, hey, I better top off my gas tank. Because then as you're driving down the road, there's gas station after gas station after gas station with that little picture. It says, we're out of service. We don't have any gas. And some of them put zeros for all the price, so you know there's nothing there. You're driving by, and I don't remember who it was was with me. It says, oh, look, there's nobody standing in line at that gas station. I'm like, yeah, because they don't have any gas. There's nobody there. And you go, the ones that do have it, and the lines are just around the corner, and just like, it's crazy. They didn't plan ahead. But these other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. But when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy, and they all fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five foolish ones asked the others, hey, can you give me some of your oil? Because I'm running out. Verse 9. But the others replied, the ones who were wise, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to Amazon.com and order some more and get it here overnighted for yourselves. Go to a shop you got to go get some for yourself. I planned ahead. I don't have enough for everybody, but I planned ahead for me. Remember, this is Jesus telling a story, not an actual event. This is a story. The same way that Pharaoh was warned by God, Jesus is now warning us. This is a message to us to be prepared. So if the five run wise, and now Jesus has given us the example Can I just suggest to you, this is where it really needs to come to us. Go to the shop 
Buy some for yourself. Be prepared. Prepared for that which is coming. Because when you know what's coming, Pharaoh knew what's coming. And they were able to make all these measures. And they went through the seven years of great. And they went through the seven years of bad because they were prepared. Jesus is saying, be prepared. Because you don't know what's going to happen. But you know he's saying you need to be prepared. When I topped off my gas tank, when I get three quarters of a tank all week long, I didn't know what the next day was going to be like. I mean, I can go three days without filling up with gas, but I don't know what's going to happen on the third day if there's going to be more gas to fill up. So I had to always make sure that I'm filling it up. So we see that Pharaoh was warned by God. Jesus says, don't just store up here on the earth, but think about heaven. And then he tells us a story that this, this situation's going to come when the end of the world, and you need to be prepared. Just like he warned Pharaoh, I believe he's warning us. So I want to ask you this morning, what's the condition of your spiritual life? What's the condition of your soul? Now, not your soul if you're going to heaven or not. That's certainly a question to ask. What's the condition of your mind, your will, and your emotions? What's the the condition of that which controls your day-to-day? Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about salvation is an event, but it's also the process of working out every day. What's the status of that? Are you running at half, half a tank? Is it below? Are you prepared? Are you in the foolish category? Or are you in the wise category? Because there's times coming that we need to be prepared. So we need to go to the shop and buy some for ourselves. See, in our spiritual life, sometimes we don't even realize when we're starting to get a deficit when we realize that I haven't prayed in a couple of days. I haven't done the things that I know that I need to do to stay filled with God. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 13 years old at Assemblies of God Youth Camp in South Texas. That's not going to carry me through the rest of my life. I have to constantly be filling and going for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and asking Him to keep filling me up. I have to do things intentionally. But can I just tell you, even in the natural with our gas tanks, if we let it go all the way to the bottom, there's just junk in the gas. There's just junk in the tank that just happens in life. A brand new car, years from now, will have junk in the bottom of the tank in a very short period of time. And if you let it get so far down that you're just sucking from the very bottom, you have all this junk that gets in the filter and it clogs up and you don't run right. Can I suggest to you that even in the natural, even though we're seeing this kind of silly analogy of the gas shortage this week, and we're seeing that Jesus is actually warning of having a shortage, can I suggest to you that if you let it get so far down, there's junk that's going to get in your filter, the filter of how you see things, the filter of how you hear things, the filter of how you perceive the world around you. It reminds me of a story of this child, this grandchild who wanted to play a prank on her grandfather and got this real stinky cheese that he loved to eat, but it just stunk. It smelled like dirty socks. And she thought she saw him sleeping on the couch, taking a nap in the afternoon like I'm going to be doing this afternoon. And she went over, she just rubbed a little bit right underneath his nose. And he woke up a little bit later. He goes, man, it stinks in here. He went into the kitchen and goes, it stinks in here too. 
He's like, man, he walked out on the front porch and all he goes, it stinks everywhere. You see, because if, if we have stuff in our filters of how we see things, of how we hear things, how we perceive everything around us, it's going to stink everywhere. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless thou, Lord, builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? They labor in vain. This weekend is Labor Day. Tomorrow is Labor Day, the day we celebrate all the work we do all year long. And then we take a break and we say, okay, we're going to chill out. We're going to you know, go barbecue. We're going to go out on the lake. We're going to do all these things. But if we're not doing this because God's building our house, then even though we're laboring, it's in vain. And it brought me to that other scripture that I love so much that we talk about so often. It says, There's two houses. One is built on the sand. One is built on the rock. Hurricane Harvey's coming. They're both going to go through the hurricane. Which one's going to be left standing? The one that God built. They didn't labor in vain because they're still standing, able to weather the storms because they were prepared So this Labor Day, I want to challenge us to look at, are we prepared? Have we let the Lord build our house? Have we got our gas tanks filled? Are we in the wise column? Are we in the foolish column? I have some suggestions for you just to keep us on track of ways to keep your tank filled. And not to let it get below three quarters of a tank. Just These are certainly not exhaustive. This is just some things I'm going to throw out for you to think about. But the first 15, we talk about it a lot. The first 15 minutes of your day. What do you do in the first 15 minutes? Can it be that we look at changing our first 15 to go, I'm going to have five minutes of worship. I'm going to have five minutes of reading the Bible. And then I'm going to have five minutes of prayer. So 15, five, five, and five, the first 15. What if we just did that? That's something that will help us stay focused. The next thing is tithing. It's not a message about tithing, but it's certainly one of the things that we do first in our lives. And we say, God, I'm putting you first in everything that I'm doing. And I'm even trusting you with my treasure that is my money. The one-year Bible, it's a great way to read through the Bible in a whole year. You can just keep looking at it every day. So today's September the 3rd. You can go in the one-year Bible. My, my wife is so amazing at this. And she'll just open up her, it's like wore out. I probably should buy her another one for her birthday or something. But she just opened up to September the 3rd, and you just got all the scriptures. You read through that every day, and you'll read through the Bible in a year. That's another way to keep your tank filled. Join a small group. Small groups are starting very soon. Join a small group. Just jump in and just, you, it, you say, I'm not that comfortable about that and I don't like being around people. It's so amazing what happens in a small group and how you can just have the camaraderie and just get to know people. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing, but it's another way for you to stay on top of your being prepared. But share your testimony is another one. There's people around you that need to hear what God's done in your life. Everyone has a testimony. I have a pastor friend who would say, he goes, people can argue theology with you, but they can never argue your experience. Just simply share your testimony. Tell people what's going on. Pray for your friends. 
We have prayer request cards, and we pray over these all the time. We have the list that's in our prayer guides that we just went through 21 days of prayer. Page 26 has the, the whole thing of pray for those who need God. We've got we, the intentionality. Pray for our friends. Hey, how about inviting our friends? Two weeks from now, we have this huge intentionality for back to church on September the 17th. Invite your friends. This is a season of the year that people will come to church just the easiest of all the other times. There's something about this time. Invite somebody to come back. Because when you're inviting people to come back, that part of you just keeps rising to the top because God just keeps on pouring into you. Because when you're giving out, sharing your testimony, when you're praying for people, when you're inviting them to come, God's like, man, let me just keep pouring into you because you're pouring it out. Of course, we have church prayer on Saturday mornings that we fill out all the prayer requests here and we just come and pray. And none of these things have to be, they're not compulsory. They're not saying, hey, you got to do all these things. But I'm saying, what if we did some of these? Maybe you're doing most of these or maybe you're doing none of these. Or what if we just added one more thing? And as I said, these are just a list of eight things to kind of put us out there to say, hey, what am I doing to be prepared? What am I doing to keep my gas tank 100%? What am I doing to be in the wise column and not the foolish column? Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, I'm so challenged by this message. But I'm so thankful that you warned Pharaoh in Egypt ahead of time of what was to come. And they were able to make changes and be prepared. God, I'm so thankful for Jesus to come and tell us the story about the ten. The five that were wise and the five that weren't. And to give us the ability to say, just like Pharaoh, hey, I can make some changes in my life. And I can be prepared. God, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's around the corner. I don't know if there will be gas tomorrow to put in my car. But I know that I can take every opportunity I have to stay full in the natural, but now to take that into the spiritual and to be full in the spiritual. Father God, I just ask you that you take this encouragement, this forewarning that you've given us, and Lord, to get more plugged into you, to spend more time, be more focused on you, and to give you all of our intentionality. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone and just pray that they will receive this as I'm receiving this, that you'll help us be in the wise column. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, and the minutes remaining, if you'll pull out your connection cards, and Michael's already talked about it, you guys all know the drill. If you have a prayer request, Michael's gonna be picking these up in any tithes and offering envelopes. We're going to pray over these and be dismissed. <sighs> Anytime we have communion or something out of the ordinary, I'm always short on time and I've got to talk really quick to get it all in. So I get to this point, I'm like, <gasps> So what do you guys think is going to happen this week? You think we're going to be full of fuel and not any problems anymore? There'll just be something new for us to have to deal with? It's already, I, it was never over to begin with. I mean, it's nothing an issue. Why don't you guys stand on your feet with me and let's pray over these. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing here at Church on the Rock. 
Father, I just thank you for the blessing that we're able to be to other people. Lord, I pray over the ministry that we launched this week of the single mom's ministry, Lord. Lord, all the, the resources it takes, all the money it takes, all the personal just devotion to come and put your name on a schedule and take over one of the shifts and all the things that are there. Thank you for the blessing that's there. Father, I pray for all the prayer requests that have come in this week. Lord, we continue to lift up those requests to you and ask you to move on their behalf. Lord, I lift up all the tithes and offerings that are in this bucket. Lord, the ones that have come in online. And Father, I speak a blessing over all those things, Lord, and their obedience, Lord, and as we're doing this thing. Help us to stay focused and to become more wise in the warnings you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.